BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. Hey, y'all. It's Samson McCormick. Welcome back to another episode of Not In Mixed Company. This week, we're talking to Yolo Achille Robinson, who is the founder and executive director, come on, big ballin', <laughs> of Beam, about mental health in the Black queer community. What self-care looks like as we all navigate the world and we learn new ways to prioritize self-care. This is going to be a good one. Stay tuned. wonderful Yolo Achille Robinson, who is the founder and executive director of Beam, which is the Black Emotional Mental Health Collective. Did I get that right? You did. Tell us a little bit about Yolo. Where are you from and what were some of your earliest experiences as a Black queer man? I'm from a military brat. I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, lived all across the really world, Germany, all across the United States, really kind of went to high school and middle school in Georgia. So I definitely really affirmed my Southern roots. Um, so that's kind of my background there. Um, as a, um, a Black queer person, like, you know, I, I definitely recognize that, you know, I've lived most of my life as identifying as a Black gay man, and now I'm very clearly non-binary and identify as non-binary. But, um, you know, those lines in terms of expression, community are not fixed, right? They're very blurry and like connected and the experiences are very similar in many ways, particularly in the ways in which I'm perceived in the world. So, yeah, so that's me, um, who I am and um, yeah. So let's, let's get into the, the why we're here to talk today and that is mental health. Let's start with uh, a two-parter. And the first is, what was it that drew you to mental health work? And then secondly, speaking of the Black church, what is the Black church's impact on especially the mental health of Black, gay, and queer people? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been drawn to wellness work for quite some time. You know, I mean, I think that like, even when I was in high school, I was, I was a peer mediator counselor, right? Like, you know I mean? I was in, really interested in like conflict resolution, really in, in, interested in diplomacy and how to like reconcile challenges. I think that comes out of, you know, growing up in an environment and in communities where there were a lot of challenges and a lot of distress and not a lot of tools or strategies on how to actually navigate that distress in ways that centered dignity and didn't harm people, right? Mm. So when I got to college, when I got to Atlanta, got involved in like, you know, local social justice organizing, really around 
feminism and reproductive justice, it opened up my whole world to, you know, um, the ways in which wellness from yoga to therapy to um, other strategies would change the ways I relate to my body, but also change the way I relate to myself and which also would lead me to make different choices in relationship to my life, right? And so um, that, that journey was, that, that was a part of the journey, but um, it's really, the pull to do the work was really in my belief that there could be something different in terms of how I feel in my body, but also we all feel in our bodies, how we relate to each other. There's a more loving possibility than what I saw models for me in a lot of um, my early childhood life, you know? Um, so that's the first part of the question, which is like, you know, about the mental health. Tell me the second part one more time. And the second one, what is, what is the, cause in the black community, we don't, uh, we don't like nobody in our head. So we go, well, you talk to Jesus about that. So with that attitude towards mental health in the black church, what is its impact on especially black men and black queer men? Yeah, there's a lot of fear of, I think there's two parts, many pieces to answer this question. The, there's legitimate fear, anxiety, and concern around the mental health industrial complex, you know, around that kind of care. Because for our folks in this country, Many of us often experience mental health through the lens or through the framing of the prison industrial complex. Like a lot of folks, when we, when I, when I was traveling the South pre-COVID doing a lot of work in communities, and I would ask people, what's the first thing that comes up to your mind when you hear mental health? They would say things like the social worker that took my cousin away, or, you know, I had a friend who, who you know, had, um, you know, broke down emotionally and got arrested and has been in jail ever since, right? So the connotations we have often with mental health are the prison industrial complex. And for many of us, those two were not separated. So the fear of that is real, right? So we'll name that. And the fear of the, the fear of mental health industrial complex is real. I think we tend, we tend to think that like, particularly for people of a certain class perspective, they, they think that like therapy is like Sunday brunch. But for a lot of folks who are working class, who are working poor, you know, you've, we've, we've experienced therapy as this way to punish us, to penalize us, to often harm us in ways, or being connected to other ways that have been women harm, whether it's being sentenced to go to a certain thing or all those different dimensions, which doesn't feel healing for us, right? So that fear is legitimate. Um, the second piece is the impact of what happens when you hold emotionally, um, the emotional weight of things you've experienced and you don't express it. You don't get it out of your body. You don't have uh, an opportunity for someone to correct or offer an alternative to a narrative and story you have in your head because you have never shared that narrative and story. You just assumed it was always the absolute truth, right? Yeah. The consequences of that are you know, considerable, right? For black queer men, um, when I think about some of those consequences and the way they show up, if I am not processing experiences I've had where my body has been harmed, where I have been shamed, where I've been hurt, that hurt doesn't go away. It stays in my body. It stays in, it, it distorts the lens through which I am able to interpret and see other people. I can't see you, Samson, for who you are. I see you as someone who might potentially hurt me because you might look like my ex-boyfriend or because you might say something that reminds me and activates a feeling connected to my ex-boyfriend. These are things that will happen to all of us. But if we don't, if we weren't doing the work consistently to interrogate, to peel back, then what happens is it just kind of like collects and collects and distorts our, our relationships to ourselves, each other, our capacity to love, to build connection. And so healing and mental health are critical 
Um, you know, when they're done in a, in, a, in a healing justice framework, which means in a consent-based framework and a loving framework, they're critical to help us peel back and let, let, let go of some of that stuff, to cry it out, to dance it out, to talk it out, journal, whatever that method is, but we have to do it in community. And I think that in, the, in our communities, unfortunately, the, while there are a growing number of people who are talking about mental health and wellness, there's a lot of us that are scared. Like, I don't want nobody to see me because if you see me, I still got shamed about the things I've done. I still got mm-hmm. fear about the things I've done. And so I would just shut up and keep it down here then let it out. But the consequences of keeping it repressed are the increased anxiety, the depressive symptoms, the other kind of conditions that we see in communities that get um, exact, that get um, magnified because I'm not dealing with that stuff. And so let's always tell everybody, anybody, Black queer men, Black queer people, imagine there's a possibility of how you can feel differently in your body and in your spirit. If you engage in the work and try and, and engage the fear of being seen, if you allow yourself to be seen with someone you can build trust with, whether it's a whatever kind of wellness practitioner, a therapist, if it's a yoga, if it's a life coach, finding someone who has the um, training and skill to hold you, there's a lot of benefits on the other end. The person who um, who I feel sees me is my weed man, and so <laughs> listen. Look, weed is a very critical part of our self care, right? It's anxiety management. It's, like that's real. That's real, and that's the piece of it. I always tell people, like you know. Um, we as Black people, we've always had coping and healing strategies, right? Absolutely. We've had our kitchen table healing conversations. We've had the circle, prayers of circle, prayers in the circle of the church, right? We've had um, different ways of even just shouting and stomping down, ways of trying to process and transmute all the stuff that we're feeling, right? And so I would never minimize like, you know, weed or apple cider vinegar or even all these strategies. The thing we have to be really mindful of is to say, I think about like a tool belt, like I think about Batman, right? Batman has all his tool belts. Now he knows that certain tools are really great for certain things and certain tools don't make it for what he's trying to go. For the Batarang, it might be dope if you're just trying to like hit a crook and get them knocked out. But that Batarang against Superman ain't gonna work, right? Like, you know what I mean? You're gonna need something different. When it comes to our tool belt, our emotional wellness tool belt, we can have weed, we can have dancing, we can have music and art and those can be great things. But sometimes if we're trying to beat a Superman down, right, you know what I mean? We might need to enlist the support of someone to help us do a deeper dive, which might mean therapy, which might mean medication, which might mean life coaching, might mean yoga, whatever that is, because the, the tool has to be um, in proportional to the, to the actual challenge. And when we're talking about living with depression and anxiety and mania, those things can um, be considerable challenges and we need a stronger guide, a stronger tool to help us move through them than just some of the other standard tools or something some tools can provide, excuse me. Wow, wow, great information. So you mentioned some, some great health practices such as journaling, meditation, dancing, art, weed, hello, hey. uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. What are some other ways that Black folks and especially Black queer folks can overcome certain barriers when it comes to wellness and mental health? And then secondly, tell us a little bit about Beam and uh, the work that you all do in the community and how folks may reach out to you all. Yeah. Um, So a big part of how we can continue to support each other, it starts with us doing our own work, right? And doing our own work in community. And I think it's an important piece, like, you know, reading self-help books, meditation, yoga, those are great. They're really good at helping us regulate. Like, I'm thinking, I think, so there's a difference between 
a practice that helps me regulate my central nervous system, my body, like yoga, meditation, they're good for that. They'll help you kind of like, you know, feel more grounded and rooted. And then we're talking about behavioral change, which was when we get into therapy, right? That's when I need somebody to help me unlearn a pattern of behavior. That's when I need somebody to help me process a deep trauma that's influencing a pattern of behavior. That's when we get to talk about therapy because therapy will help us with the behavioral piece and the regulation, but often some of the practices like weed and meditation they may not help us unlearn learn new behaviors. They may just help us regulate. I want to make sure I just name that distinction there. Mm-hmm. So with Beam's work, um, um, actually going back to the first question, um, things that we can do in our communities to help ourselves heal are the things we've been doing forever and just amplifying them and getting more skills. A big part of our work at Beam is we are a training institution. We train people who are barbers, coaches, therapists, big mamas, friends, cousins, to have more skills to understand wellness and mental health and how wherever they are, whatever hood you in, you have better skills and understanding about how to show up for yourself and for other people. So we believe in something we call village care. We can't just rely on the social workers and the therapists because the social workers therapists ain't often on the front line, the weed man is, right? The barber is, the teacher is. So if they have more skills within boundary, right? So they understand skills, but they also know that like, hey, I may not be a deep trauma therapist. I am just a, I'm a peer support person, but I have skills to be able to see when someone needs broader support and when somebody just needs an ear to listen to or somebody to be present for them, right? So our work is training and education primarily. We do a lot of other great events, which is the public kind of, the I'm gonna say the public, a lot of people know us from like, you know, the, the panels and discussions, those are great. But what we get funded to do is really like, the training and education in the community, the Black communities, and also giving money and resources to other institutions in the Black community um, so they can do more of this work. And so those are some of the, that's a little bit about us and the work we do. We have our Black Parent Support Fund, exactly how it sounds, gives money to Black parents who are living with mental conditions or supporting children living with mental conditions. We just gave out $15,000, um, $300, $300 payments to 51 Black men, right? Um, we have our Black Wellness Innovation Fund, we supported Black trans women wellness with these grants and supporting Black trans women who were holding mental health support groups and different kinds of activities, right? So that's what our work is. Um, the last piece I'll say is that like, wherever you are in the community, you have a role in cultivating the wellness of the community. And it starts with your work. It starts with self-reflection. It starts with honesty. It starts with getting help and whatever that help looks like, right? Like you can look in a lot of different ways. But getting outside of your own head can be a really powerful, transformative practice, um, however you engage. Mm, thank you. And, and, and last, because I feel it's so important, uh, a word of encouragement or advice to uh, our community when it comes to wellness and mental health. Yeah, wow, such a great question. Um, I want us to know that how things are doesn't mean they have to be that way how we feel consistently, how we feel in our bodies, how we feel in our relationships, how we may feel inadequate or struggle with lovelessness. That doesn't have to be the way things are. We can reimagine our world, we can reimagine ourselves. And to do that, the healing and mental health work is a part of that, right? It is the processing, it is the vulnerability. It can be scary, but moving with the fear is how we transform ourselves. And so when I hear so many things in our communities about you know, being hurt, being ghosted, being, you know, the, the trauma, those pieces, those things are the real things we experience. And we all have an opportunity to show up differently and to figure out how to show up differently by doing the work. 
so that we can create a different dynamic for our communities, right? It's possible. So just, I just wanna invite us to always know that we can imagine differently. It doesn't have to be the way it is now. And um, doing the work can help you do that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.